Good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome to our guests and visitors and those viewing online. And thank you for spending a holiday weekend on spiritual retreat and joining us here. I am Nayaswami Maria, and this is Nayaswami Ananta, and we'll be doing the service today. I'd like to begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, and these are parallel commentaries uh, from the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. The best way to worship, truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In chapter 4 of the Gospel of St. John, the woman of Samaria asks Jesus, Where is the best place to worship? This question might be expanded to include, What is the best church? What is the best religion? Is it important to go on pilgrimage to holy shrines? What is the best ritual? What is the best mantra or prayer? Jesus cut across all such questioning with his reply. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It was not that outer considerations of place, church, ritual, etc. are irrelevant. Each person should find those practices and observances which are compatible with his own nature. One might say with his own vibrations. Not everyone's natural path is the same. God sent different religions into the world to satisfy different human needs. The overarching concern, however, considering that the goal is to find God, is to include in one's worship daily inner communion with the Lord. God is silence. He must be sought, therefore, in inner silence. He must, God is absolute love. He must be sought, therefore, in the silence of love. God is spirit and thus immaterial. He must be sought above all in the expanding peace of deep meditation. Thus the Bhagavad Gita states in the sixth chapter, sequestered should he sit, steadfastly meditating, solitary, his thoughts controlled, his passions laid away from every craving for possession freed. Wherever you are, Whatever your outward beliefs and observances, seek God in the silence of your own soul. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om. Om. 
I'd like to read a passage from Whispers from Eternity. This is a book that Yogananda wrote, and this is the spiritual interpretation of the Lord's Prayer. O Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, may the halo of thy presence spread over all minds. May the religion of matter worship be converted into loving, direct worship of thee, since without thy power to love, we cannot truly love anything. May we love thee first and above everything else. May the heavenly kingdom of bliss, where thou dwellest, manifest itself with all its divine qualities on earth, and may all lands be freed from limitations, imperfections, and miseries. Let thy kingdom within us manifest itself without. Father, Leave us not in the pit of temptation into which we fell by the misuse of thy gift of reason. When we become freer and stronger, should it be thy wish to test us, to see whether we love thee more than any temptation, then, Father, make thyself more tempting than temptation. O Father, if it be thy wish to test us, Help us keep our willpower strong enough to meet all thy tests. Give us our daily bread, food, health, and prosperity for the body, efficiency for the mind, and above all, thy wisdom and love for our souls. Teach us to deliver ourselves with thy help from the meshes of ignorance which we have woven through our own carelessness. Uh, our topic today is uh, what's the best way to worship? And um, it would be nice, since not everyone in the world can be here today, if everyone in the world online could realize that there is no one way to worship the one Father, but that we each have a pathway and a heart connection with the divine we live in a world that is constant in its bickering over what is the best way to worship. And that, I believe, has gone on since the beginning of time. I don't know if there's an end in sight. Um, <laughs> but the key is that we need to worship, but we are each individuals. And this is what Master refers to. It is actually a foundation of the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda that there is one Father, Mother, God, and there are many religions, many ways to worship, many paths that bring us to one goal, which is our individual realization that we are the children of God, that we are in possession of the kingdom of God. And the different ways to worship are totally valid. The masters keep bringing them. The Buddha brought Buddhism. The Krishna brought yoga. Christ brought true Christianity. Many other masters come with ways that we can free ourselves from, as master said in this interpretation of the uh, Lord's Prayer, of the pit that we have created for ourselves. You see, the, we are all from God, but through the influence, the universal influence of delusion, we've bought into some part of it. And we have 
defined ourselves as separate from God. This is called maya in the Hindu scriptures. It's, it's the measurer. We're separate from God. But we shouldn't be separate from God. So we should find a way to get back to God. And that is called worship. That is any sadhana or practice that brings you back to the Father, to the realization of the self. Self-realization is the goal. And every true religion, whether it's a formal religion or a shamanic practice or whatever it is, that unites your consciousness with the superconsciousness is worship. It's sadhana. It's the way out of this very confusing mess that we find ourselves in. Master was all for it. And he urged us to find that path. And Swami wrote in this Rays of the One Light passage that the answer to what is the best way to worship has an answer for you and an answer for every individual being on this planet. But there is no one way that is good for all because we have individualized our delusion. We have created our own specific karma and we are in the mess that we created and it's the mess that is our mess. It's, it's our mess, but there is a way out. And that is reinforced by the statement of um, the Kure Dar said, if you only knew how much God loved you, you would die for joy. That's true. That's a true statement. And Master Paramahansa Yogananda said it once to Dr. Lewis. He said, remember, doctor, God loves you as much as he loves me. He's our common father. And that is what we, we must remember. <laughs> because God is so close to us. And we get caught in the delusion. And we think that we're separate from God. And then we try a new, new delusion, which is the saints are close to God. The avatars are close to God, but not me. I'm in delusion. Master's not in delusion. No, we're all part of God. And we have to find the way of worship that energizes the heart connection to the divine and makes you remember day by day, minute by minute, how close God is and how much he loves you. That is worship. And that's the type of worship that you need. Unfortunately, <laughs> with the six billion people on the planet, there's probably six billion formulas for that. But the good news is, as Swami points out, there are certain truths in worship that will be universal. And you find these when you meet, when a great saint comes to visit of another path, you feel underneath the trappings of his or her Buddhism, his or her Christianity, his or her Judaism, his or her shamanic powers, whatever it is, you feel underneath it a vibration that Swami refers to. And it is stillness, love, and the reality of spirit. It is joy. It is ananda. But it's not ananda in the vibration of ananda, <laughs> this Ananda, it is the vibration of divine joy. It's the eight aspects of God. It's joy and peace and calmness and light and sound, the vibration of Om. Om is universal. All religions have Om. All true religions have Om. And all beings who realize the self have some component of Om in their, in their teachings. Read Bharat's Om book and, and see 
the universality of om, amin, amen, all this vibration translates, and it translates to the individual. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to find that connection that works for us. Now, in our, the disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda, we have techniques of meditation. Hong Sa, Om, energization, and Kriya. Those are the four techniques that we have. But our way of worship individually involves how to engage our heart through the karma of our mess. And so you have Rajasi Janakananda, big time businessman, loving God, in communion with God, in practice of Kriya. No books written, no songs written. You have Swami Kriyananda, books, music, communities. Sister Gyanamata, she sleeps on a cot in the laundry room. She's a liberated master. Which is better? It's just none is better. It's better for them. It's better for you. So what we have to do as disciples of truth, whether you're a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda or any other master, or whether you relate to the divine as just spirit. I was talking to a young truth seeker who's a visitor. I said, we were going to work together. I said, how do you relate to God? I, (laughs) I needed to know so that we could do our work together. We're working on the farm. He said, I relate to God as spirit. Good, great spirit. Spirit that is manifest in all things, that drives all things. The spirit that energizes all nature. The spirit that moves this planet and these, this cosmos. That's a way to relate to God. Every way is a relate to God. But the question is not what is the best way to worship for everyone. It's what is the best way to worship for you. So even with the techniques that we have, we each individually have to find that place that really engages our heart in the love affair with the divine. We have to find, whether it's chanting or karma yoga or meditation or even in the practices, take a specific practice like Kriya Yoga, which is a pranayama exercise done in stillness and sitting. But you can practice Kriya with joy. You can practice Kriya with love. You can practice Kriya with peace. If your particular need on that particular day is more peace so that you experience the divine consciousness. It is a very individual practice. And even among the family of a given guru and whatever your path or guru is, but among your brother and sister disciples, you personally make that reaction to the divine, a working step-by-step, day-by-day process that brings you into super-consciousness, brings you into samadhi. Kriyananda's way, creativity. He never stopped. (laughs) It was just his way. But that isn't all the disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda. That's just that one individual. Each of us has to find that place where we connect with God and we experience God. It's all about experience. It's not about belief so much as experience. It's connecting your heart with the divine and cognizing more and more, deeper and deeper, the reality that you are a part of God, that you are a being of light. 
You get little glimpses of it. Sometimes beginners get a big glimpse of it. We notice this as the, as the years went on, that, as years go on, they're still going. <laughs> but that sometimes new people would come and they would have the most amazing mystical experience at their first yoga class. And Marie and I would look at each other and, hey, this is really good. Well, sometimes Divine Mother wants to get you to get into this relationship, you know, and kind of check this out. And she'll dangle some little jewels in front of you. And wow, in time, it's deepening that practice so that that experience of God becomes more constant and deeper. And this is why we do a sadhana. This is why we meditate every day, not just when we feel inspired. What we do is we learn to get inspired. Learn to train yourself to turn on your heart towards the divine romance. These, the usual things we do, some of you have come for retreat. That was a good move. (laughs) You wouldn't be here if you didn't come for retreat. Act on those spiritual impulses. And to, we have, of course, last week we had the memorial for Swami, but we have winter renewal week. Uh, I think it's called inner renewal week. (laughs) Uh, Spiritual renewal week in the summer. We celebrate the birthdays of the masters. We celebrate the Mahasamadhis of the masters. We have group meditation. We go and go to Sunday service. We go to things that keep our heart engaged on an ever new basis. It's funny because the truths are one and eternal, but they're not old and boring. They're ever new. They're, I'm, I mean, just, you just can't wait to meditate again. But it's the same technique you've been doing since you were a kid. 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. And yet, it is God meeting God. It is enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy. And every time you go to meditate, you have to train yourself to put yourself in that position. To be receptive. In the purification, we say, open your heart to me and I will enter and take charge of your life. But God doesn't just pray that once in a while. He says it every single day, every single minute. Open your heart to me, and I will enter and take charge of your life. At the office? On Wall Street? At the lawyer's office? At the doctor's office? When you're in traffic? All the time, God is as close to you as he is right now when you're still, when you're open, when you're receptive. So we train ourselves to do that. There's a wonderful story in the Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna and Arjuna are ready for a big war. The guru is Krishna. Arjuna is saying, God, be with me, help me. So Krishna, in order to help him, (laughs) he appears to him as the infinite Lord in all his form, all his glory. It's called Vishwarupa. It's the, it's the vision of God. And so Arjuna sees the Himalayas and the Sierras and all the mountains and all the rivers, and he sees all the saints. And he sees that the wind is God and the water is God and the birds and the deer and the coyotes are all God. And all the people are God. And he has this incredible vision of the cosmos and all the galaxies, and all time, the four billion years, all at once. He just sees the whole thing, and he totally gets it. 
And he's just there with God. And he realizes that this is God, and he's in the form of Krishna. And so he does a really cute thing. He goes, oops, I've, I've related to you as my, <laughs> as my cousin, and you're God, you're everything, and I, I really haven't been, you know, worshipful enough to you. Krishna says, it's okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> we have a war to fight. <laughs> and he gets it. Now, there's a part of the Gita that's, well, it's actually before the Gita, but it's in the Mahabharata that no one ever talks about. But I'm going to talk about it. Uh, before the war, Duryodhana, King Material Desire, he wanted to make war on Arjuna and the good guys. He's the bad guy, of course, King Material Desire. And Krishna went to him the night before the battle. And he goes, you got this all wrong. This war stuff is just not, doesn't need to happen. Let's not do this. And Duryodhana is there. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do it. I want land and power. So Krishna gives the Vishwarupa to Duryodhana. He appears to Duryodhana as Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, as Akar, Ukar, Makar, as Om, as the creation, as the preservation, as the dissolution. He shows him the forces and all the beautiful faces of all the people in the world and the light that animates us. Thou art my life. Thou art my love. He animates, shows him this whole thing. What, is, what does Duryodhana do? It was a cheap conjurer's trick. That doesn't fool me. He shuts him down. Why? He didn't open his heart. It's a good way of worship, but it wasn't good for Duryodhana because he kept his heart closed. We as disciples or truth seekers of any path have to open our hearts to God and God will be there, is there. It's in the act of opening is the reality of God's presence. So we have to animate our sadhana and our prayer and never pray mechanically or rote prayers. Pray with the devotion of the heart. And Master said he didn't like hothouse prayers to God. He liked wild, wind-blown prayers to God with the sun shining and rain coming and all these forces at work because that's what the God wants. He wants you to just be you. You don't have to be somewhere else. You don't have to be the author of 150 books to be a good disciple. You don't have to be a person who can write music. I can't do any of that stuff. But you can do what you can do, which is you can love God and you can sit in the presence and you can receive the love of God and you can realize God. You can realize that you are part of God. That's the best way to worship. You have to find your own way. Sometimes people would ask Swami Kriyananda for advice on the spiritual path and Swami would send him to some other spiritual teacher. Swami wanted him to be realized. He didn't want him to be members of Ananda. That's not the goal. The goal is self-realization. The goal is knowing in body, mind, and soul that you are now in possession of the kingdom of God. You don't need to attain anything, get anything. You just need to improve your knowing. You just need to remember that you're part of God. And when you look for that, and when you see that, you will see it everywhere. You'll see it in everyone. This is why the masters see the same world that we see from a different dimension. They see it from the realm of light. Master once left an all-day meditation. He said, you have no idea how beautiful you are. Rays of light, silver light and golden light. That's all you are. You need to worship in such a way that you feel that you are not 
a man or a woman or a body or a profession or a net worth, but that you are love. You are free. That is the best way to worship for you. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what the formula is. But if you ask the masters, they'll help you. They'll guide you. Their grace will push you towards it. And you will find it. And it is so exciting. The spiritual path is the most exciting adventure in the entire world. It is full of joy and radiance. And you've got to tap into it. If your spiritual life is lacking that, that's your fault. And luckily you came to service today. And now you know what to do about it. (laughs) You've got to turn it up a notch. You've got to open it up. You've got to chant more. You've got to do more affirmations. You've got to do more yoga postures. You've got to do less yoga postures. So, I remember Swami one time told one guy not to chant so much. <laughs> I thought, I've never heard that before, but that's what he needed at that time in his life. And it changes as our lives go on, as we're young, middle-aged, as we're in the middle of the battle. We have to use different tactics, but the truth is one and eternal. Stillness is still required. Inner communion with the spirit and love. That's what's needed. So you need to find that way that really resonates for you. And don't think if all the, everybody else is doing something and it doesn't work for you, that you have to do it. You do the techniques the guru's given you, yes. You sit still in the stillness, yes. But you find the key to your realization through the grace of God and with his blessings. And they are never lacking and never missing even on Memorial Day. God bless you all.